Bitcoin's now fighting the final boss in the video game. It's really up against the central bankers and and much earlier than we ever thought because El Salvador's decreed this as legal tender. The, the, the World Bank, by their own charter, have to accept Bitcoin as payment of debt. Hello there from Rainy Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? Okay, well, the Bitcoin price looks pretty good this morning. Looks like we are in recovery. But then again, we have been ranging between thirty dollars and $40,000 for a while now. Don't know about you, but it kind of feels like the battle for 10 k we had last year. So it's probably a good time to get right into the data and see what's going on. So welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got him back, the show you've all been waiting for. Yes, Willy Wu is back on the show. And we're going to be discussing if Bitcoin is in a bear market. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. And today we're kicking off with my newest sponsor, which is Revolut. Now, as many of you know, those who've been following me on Twitter, Lloyd's TSB, my bank for 25 years. Recently, they closed down all of my bank accounts. I think their problem is they don't like Bitcoin. And I was approached by Revolut, who said to me, come on, Pete, come over to Revolut. It could not be easier for you to create an account. And most importantly, when I talked to them, they said they want to promote Bitcoin, they care about Bitcoin, and they want to make it easy for you to transfer to exchanges. And also, because Revolut are such badasses, they are offering $20 or £20 to all new customers that complete three card transactions. Now, it only takes a few minutes to set up, and you can create a card and add it to Apple Pay immediately to get that cash in your pocket. But you know what I would do with that. I would immediately convert that into Bitcoin. Now, this is a new relationship, and I am working with the Revolut team to help them build a bank, which is Bitcoin friendly, and there is a lot to navigate here in the UK, but please bear with us. We've got this. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to revolut.com forward slash WBD. That is R-E-V-O-L-U-T dot com forward slash WBD. Next up, we have BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services, offering a number of products for Bitcoiners. Now, with a BlockFi interest account, you can earn a yield on your Bitcoin. And I am a customer. I've been a customer of this product for over two years now, and my Bitcoin is working for me. Also, with BlockFi, you can take out a Bitcoin-backed loan so you can borrow against your Bitcoin without selling. And I know, I know I've been talking about it for a long time, but they are imminently about to launch the BlockFi Rewards credit card, which you can get 1.5% rewards back in sats on all card purchases. If you want to find out more, please head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, if you are new to Bitcoin, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And do you know what? I've been a Ledger customer since early 2017, and that Nano S I bought back then, I am still using now. Now, Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin, connecting to their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And if you're an Android phone user, you can also connect that to your Nano S and manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D. GER.com. And also we have Gemini, my exclusive exchange sponsor, who I'm using for buying and selling Bitcoin. And you know, I have been buying Bitcoin with them, but I haven't sold a single sat with Gemini because we are in a bull market. Well, I think we are. Willie might tell you different, but I think we are. Also, whatever, we can ride this out. We're here for decades. We're here to make those gains. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I also set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. And I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. 
With their streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Okay, so onto the show, and I know you've all been waiting for this one. Willie is back on the show to break down what has been happening in the market and what the on-chain data is telling us. And you know what? I kicked off this month just asking about on-chain data because after the market crash, I had loads of people commenting on YouTube or sending me messages saying, Willie's a fraud, Willie doesn't get this, look what's happened to the market. Now, come on, we need to be realistic about this. On-chain data can only do one thing. It's a tool. It can give you information. It can't predict the future. It can't predict news cycles. It can't predict FUD. So stop blaming Willie. Use the tool as it should be, but you need to also manage your own risk. Now, the last month has been pretty crazy. You know what? I mean, I haven't been here as long as some people, but for the four or five years I've been doing this, I definitely don't remember a time as chaotic as this, certainly not in the 2017 run, and that was pretty crazy. But listen, if you look over the longer time frame, none of this shit matters. I personally don't plan on selling anything before 2025, and you know what? Maybe I'll hold even longer than that. This is just a blip. This is just a blip on the chart. But I know... A lot of people are panicking. I've had so many emails and DMs asking what is going on. And honestly, I've got one piece of advice for you. Stop being a fucking pussy. If you are here for the revolution, you need to get down the gym and work on those jelly hands of yours. Stop over leveraging yourself and build a multi-year plan. The advice is out there. Everybody has been doing this for a long time will tell you the same stuff. If you're over leveraging, if you're taking too many risks... You're not listening to people, so get out there and listen. Now, there are a lot of people on Twitter saying the top is in and that we're in for a longer bear market, while others are just calling this a consolidation and still I a plus 100k Bitcoin this year. I got no idea, so I put it all to Willie, asked him for his take on the market and what he thinks is coming next. And just for a reference, I recorded this with Willie on Thursday last week, and the price was sat around 34k. So I hope you enjoy this one. If you've got any questions or feedback, you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com or you can jump into my Telegram group. All right, let's get on with the show. Willie, we have a lot to talk about, mate. But firstly, uh, congratulations on becoming a daddy. Oh, thanks, Peter. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> she's so cute. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, wow. Uh, I have new respect for women, what they have to go through to bring a baby into the world. I cannot believe there's been 8 billion um, people born this way. <laughs> yeah, dude, listen, yeah. honestly, I, I used to uh, I used to do that typical bloke thing, think, I'm at work all day, yada, yada. Like, when, when I had to actually raise the kids, you know, when I separated, like, I realized how hard it is. It is the hardest job. It's way harder than going to work. Going to work is a luxury compared to being at home raising a kid. So, uh, big up to all the mothers out there. Yeah. Me and Willie support you. Mm. But, man, she's cute. <laughs> Thank you. And also, I feel like I'm an esteemed ground. You're, like, suddenly the famous man on the world right now. Well, I can't believe you're so dressed down for this. You should have put a suit on. I know. You're used to being <laughs> um, greeted with people in suits, right? Dude, the whole thing's weird, man. I can't fucking make <laughs> any sense of it. It's so weird. And that, But now I'm like back in Bedford uh, uh, after like six weeks of weirdness and indie races, Miami and presidents, and I'm just back to normal life and going out to Tesco's and getting a loaf of bread. <laughs> normal life. And my, kids not, my kids are yelling at me and don't give a shit about anything. 
<laughs> I think my favorite was seeing pictures of you in your Metallica t-shirt and tats and um and then Twitter doing memes of you appearing in, you know, like the <laughs> meetings with the Fed and, <laughs> and so forth. Well, like people are so pissed off about that. Like you're so disrespectful. Look, the first thing is like people didn't realize I didn't just turn up in a Metallica shirt like a moron. I actually I messaged the uh, president's brother and I was like because I didn't have any smart clothes with me. You know, I'd flown from New York in. I didn't have any laundry done and I didn't have a suit. And I didn't know, I didn't, I mean, I wouldn't have worn one anyway, probably, but I just had nothing. And I was like, I messaged the brother and I said, uh, Is there a dress code? And he was like, No, you just wear what you want. So it's a joke. <laughs> I put even a Metallica shirt and he went, Sure. I was like, Well, fuck it, I'm going to wear it now. But, you know, they, they don't care. If you know uh, uh, Bukele, like, he doesn't care about this stuff. You know, mm. he cares about goals he cares about uh delivering for the people he understands social media like this is the guy who campaigned in a backwards baseball cap and did a selfie at the un like he's in touch with yeah real people so but anyway the memers the memers had some fun Um, yeah that was fun anyway man we got a lot to talk about but the first thing i want to put to you though okay uh i'm gonna hit you with a surprise but i'm also gonna put some defense in there as well so I have to view all the YouTube comments because uh, there's so many spammers. Like, if you just let it go, it ruins it. So I just, like, approve the proper ones and I delete the other ones. So I get to see them. And there were uh, there's been some criticism this month where people are saying, well, Willie said this was happening, now this happened. And I just, like, my interpretation, I want to put it out there, is, like, if you're trading, knowledge is like a weapon, right? The stuff you're doing, the on-chain analysis, but it's not like a crystal ball, right? It doesn't predict future events you can't you can't predict uh, a fud narrative you can't predict chinese miners closing down right so you can use my interpretation of it Willie, is you use this data as a guide but if market conditions change you could to event then you have to react to that is that fair yeah um i i'm you know like the the reads i do on chain i do them typically with um my newsletter, at least, um, that's every two weeks. Um, and what happened was I issued a bullish structure. It was kind of tentatively recovering, and I thought it would be going bullish. Well, it had flicked to bullish, and then, you know, Elon Musk famously did his um, energy fossil fuel tweet, um, which tanked markets immediately. Because um, it was, it, you know, I don't think it would have had the same impact if the market was was um, with upward momentum, and that momentum was strong, but it was just recovering from the previous sort of few weeks of uh, miners um, losing hash rate in China, and we had a a deleveraging. And so that hit it. And then I came out with a forecast that was ridiculously bearish. I said, this is just tidal waves of um, coins hitting the exchanges for for selling, and I said it would take possibly months to recover. Um, but unfortunately, um, I think a lot of people were um, leveraged and lost money. And, you know, I didn't necessarily, like, there was a, it was structured bullish and there was a gap before I said it was um, bearish. And I think the, the price had slipped from fifty-five dollars to $50,000. Uh, no, maybe 45000 And then it, it carried on down to thirty, right? Um, and but the the forecast did go out, and it said this is heavily bearish. Um, but a lot of people got wrecked, and um, 
you know, I've I've had people, you know, it's kind of interesting in that like this bull market, like every bull market brings in a lot of new traders and a lot of new investors. And um, I had people say, you know, I lost money. This this forecast is um, very, very inaccurate or whatever. And um, if you do the backtrace on it, it's um, 80% reliable, right? That means four mm. out of every five forecasts play out. Um, and most technical traders that are trading in the shorter time frames using just chart analysis, typically you're right. If you're right 60% of the time, you're really making bank. Um, mm. A lot of traders make, um, make bank 50-50 um, because they have good risk management. And that's the key is um, if anyone's in the short time frame trades, you really need risk management. Um, so that's how, um, you know, I got a lot of flack um, over that rundown, but also mm-hmm. like <clears throat> you'll get flack anyway because when prices bearish, the markets go very, very emotional. So yeah, like I, I remember the, 20, the 2018 bear cycle, I was the one saying this is bearish, this is bearish, and I got masses of flack from being right. Um and so uh, it's just you can tell the sentiment. Um, yes, you can tell you can tell the sentiment. Um, just when people are hurt, you know, there's going to be a lot of criticism. So I know, yeah. dude. Like I, I get it as well. I, <laughs> I was blamed for the market crash for triggering Elon Musk, which made me fucking laugh. <laughs> like literally, people going into my DMs telling me to kill myself and shit. But look, the way I take it, you know, really is that. You know I love your email. I tell everyone to subscribe. I think it's brilliant. But I, I think I, th- I see it as this is like this is you telling what's happening on chain, right? Mm-hmm. And based on historic performance, these are things you expect might happen. But I still expect market conditions to change. And look, I've only started testing trading this year, like small amounts, right here or there. But I'm, I am going to trade the next cycle, right? I'm going to take what I've learned and do it. But I'm going to take maybe. of my stack, I'm probably not going to use leverage. If I do, it'll be like 1.5. I'm going to have proper risk management in there. And if market conditions change, they change. Like anyone listen to this, I'm just going to fucking say it. Anyone listen to this who treats your emails as gospel and puts everything on the line with it and lose a lot of money, well, that's your own fault. This This is some analysis, which is knowledge that you can use. It isn't the gospel. It isn't Willie's guaranteed returns forecast. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting to like, to see a lot of people think that you can actually predict with one hundred percent reliability. Yeah. <laughs> I find it ridiculous. I I find it um, you know like if you can do eighty percent, I think that's it's that's ridiculous as well. Because and I mm. think we can only do that right now because on chain analysis is only. To barely two years old, maybe you maybe say three, but publicly it's only been two years old, um, and so it does have an advantage right now. But I even think that's going to get less and less reliable because um, you know, like it's just a new field; not everyone's looking at it. But eventually, um, the signal will start to be a lot harder to read mm. as the whole market. Um, you know, it's it's all about information asymmetry. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, listen, look, you you said that you think the recovery is underway. There's a lot of people claiming we're in a bear market, it's over. I guess mm-hmm. both are possible, but 
you're seeing indications that, you know, there's a recovery underway here. Um, this dip definitely isn't anything I experienced mid-market 2017. There's a definite change in the structure to what's happened, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, I've not sold anything. I'm still confident. And look, there's too much good stuff happening. Actually, do you know what it, do you know what it feels like, Willie? It feels mm-hmm. like there's a lot of really good stuff happening and a lot of really kind of nasty FUD or big big things challenging us. So we have El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender. At the same time, China is seems to do an outright ban and all the miners have switched off. They're like two opposing forces at the same time. Yeah, and even that, that is bullish, right? That's like, oh, yeah. oh great, and the whole network got more decentralized. Um, we no longer have 60% of the miners in China and um, China can't take control of the network. Um, which was always one of those outlier concerns, right? Like, you know, but imagine if the, the Chinese government, by decree, you know, claims all the miners and takes takes out Bitcoin through a 51% attack, that kind of thing. And now that's gone. And even now, all those those um, those mining miners, those ASIC miners, um, the hardware is being relocated to, um, like all the sources of um, cheap and clean energy in different parts of the world. So, um, you know, the, all that, all of the underlying things behind the network, we've got, you know, obviously um, you're at the forefront of the El Salvador, El Salvador story of it becoming um, legal tender. Um, and I think, like, you know, it's like uh, Bitcoin's now fighting the final boss in the video game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really up against um, the central bankers, um, and and much earlier than we ever thought. Um, which is, you know, like what was the, the thing that was quite hilarious is that because El Salvador's um, decreed this as legal tender, the, the the World Bank by their own charter have to accept Bitcoin as payment of debt. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is like you know, that, so it's the at the at the very highest level. Um, We've got institutions that need to face Bitcoin now, which was, you know, I kind of thought this would be another four years away. Um, I know, man. And so, like, I don't know. I think that um, there's going to be attacks on it, like very, very hard out attacks. Um, Like, you know, I even saw that with Tesla back when they, you know, remember when Tesla was the darling of the shorters in Wall Street and everyone was trying to, take out Tesla and there was just FUD after FUD after hit piece on Elon Musk and Tesla during that time. Um, I feel like that's kind of what's happening right now with with Bitcoin. Um, uh, that's on a sentiment base, you know, like, you know, on chain it's, it's like, um, you know, I can just see buyer sellers and, and sizes and, um, you know, it's to me it's, as simple as we had a lot of buying um, from about this, the from the January of this year, really, and those guys were very, very um, large buyers, um, very high net worth, and some maybe institutional hedge funds, short time frame kind of guys, or even family offices. And the the thing is, like a lot of those guys took their money off the table um, from that. Fifty to sixty thousand dollar range, and um, so all those coins just ended up on the market. So they were dumped out, ended up, um, you know, like 
you know, having the inventory on the exchanges, the speculative inventory just go up. So I, I imagine just the every for every coin that's sold, obviously there's a buyer. So I guess speculators bought those coins, um, and now we're in a very speculative phase, um, and those coins are um, slowly being reabsorbed by long-term holders. Um, slowly, you know, um, and it, it's very much structured like um, on-chain it looks like um, the COVID crash and then recovery, which took eight weeks. Um, we had like um, a massive dump out of ho- what looked like long-term holders, those people that bought, you know, um, up to six months ago and they sold for the very first time, unloaded their coins and the buyers are smaller guys. It's it's retail and we're not seeing unlike like the the coins are moving to um to stronger hands long term investors but um we're not seeing the same amount of um you know pure um rate of coins moving off the exchanges into cold storage like we saw in covid so um that's that so you know price right now is going sideways bearish um it's like chopping along sideways bearish. It looks like what we call a um, Wachowian accumulation like price pattern. And so if that plays out, then we should have that last wick down to the 28, 29 should have been um, the final test of the bottom. If that continues, everything on chain looks um, like it's in recovery, right? Um, in fact, we're getting like a bullish divergence. On-chain's going bullish. Um, coins are being sucked up into strong hands while the price is driving downwards. And the last time we saw that was in late January when we had the first dip of 2021. And um, on-chain was diverging upwards as the price was going down and then we we rocketed upwards. So that may play out Um I think that we still need to see what happens in the next um, two to three weeks. Like, I do think we're in a um, the next couple of weeks at least we're in an upward trajectory. Um, but you know, like, it's it's recovering. We just don't know what's going to happen in the next. You know, obviously in the future, if we get um, another round of people dumping coins, then that could. That, that well, that'll destroy this accumulation. It could push us down lower. But in terms of fundamental metrics like valuations, like MVT or stock to flow, we're, we're already heavily discounted. Um, so it's like a cycle that, unlike any that we've seen, um, and I mean that, eh? like people are st- templating this thing to 2013 where we had a double pump, but underlying structure is completely different. Um, the market's completely different. The, the bullish news is extreme in the sense that we have a country making Bitcoin legal tender and Michael Saylor buying, well, I think mm. he bought all the Bitcoin. Uh, and then, <laughs> the, then the FUD is super extreme in that we have Elizabeth Warren complaining about energy, Elon Musk complaining about energy, and uh, Chinese miners you know, being turned off. So it just feels like the normal bullish and bearish news of a normal cycle, but just if extreme ends of it. 
Yeah, and it's like um, the buyers that bought that push price up were obviously they were they were very new and they were very prone to the thud. Um, no matter how how bullshit it was, um, you know, it's utter bullshit. But um, they bought it, you know. And I, I even noticed. Um, remember Michael Saylor and um, Frank? Uh, what's his last name? There was a debate that they did um, on gold versus Bitcoin and. He fudded, he, you know, Michael Saylor won that debate clearly um, on all points from logic and fundamentals. And yet Frank attacked Bitcoin on there's no way the authorities will allow um, Bitcoin to prosper. And I noticed that the, the FUD actually worked. People started, the price dropped after that debate, you know, um, and... I I, th- I think that a lot of these new buyers were, um, you know, you, you get an easy two to three, even four X over a number of months. Um, you're probably gonna um, be sensitive to like, like, oh, this is scary. I, I'll take the profit now um, in a highly volatile asset. So I don't know, I th- but I do like I do like how. Um, it is like the small guys that are buying it right now. It's um, no, it's it's a very it's very good for the network. Well, a recovery feels good, and mm. like I say, it's like thirty k seems to be in be defended pretty well. Um, uh, I'm not in that point where I'm thinking things are over. That feels like there's too much. Too much good stuff is still happening, and like you said about the China news, to me the China news is positive because it it removes one of the fud things that people talk about. You know, we're centralized around Chinese mining, so we get rid of that. Once you know, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is uh, a lot of the movement of the miners to be using this kind of clean energy because I think all we'll have left is like terrorists and truck dealers. That's all we'll have left. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really interesting. I've noticed this in markets is when um, when the thing shakes out, um, something that's bullish is initially bearish before it goes bullish. So, for example, the two thousand and eight um, financial crisis, like all the banks, um, all the banks were kind of getting wrecked, right? And um, and if you were a gold bug, you'd be sitting pretty because, like, you know, everyone's gonna go into the safe haven asset. But of course, gold sold off like crazy. You got wrecked if you were holding gold because, um, you know, these kind of um, more urgent impacts happen where everyone sells US dollars, deleverages, and everything crashes. And then the thing sort of recovers. And of course, gold went on to, you know, like a four-year bull run. Um, And we saw that with COVID, right? Um, Bitcoin was exactly what you want when um, when the whole market crashed and the money printers started printing on overdrive, you wanted an inflation hedge, but Bitcoin halved also, right? Because everyone mm. was at peak fear. And the same thing now with, you know, China, um, China miners, everyone's selling off. Um, but ultimately the fundamentals are um, backing Bitcoin because the whole network's becoming decentralized and stronger. Um, so... Yeah, a dump before the pump is is this happens a lot in markets. Um, yeah, John, so. one of the things I haven't actually and this is pretty amateur, but I actually haven't had a look at the hash rate since uh, 
since they've turned off. I'm assuming there's been a, a bit of a drop. Yeah, yeah, okay. So look, the hash rate's down to, hold on, it's down to what it was in <laughs> when it dipped in November 20 and about what it was a year ago. It's like three years. You know, it's funny, when you look at the hash rate chart, it, it actually, yes, look, there's a big drop. But I feel like, I feel like that that will recover because it, from what I've seen online, that these miners are are looking to pack up their equipment, their ASICs, and move, move them elsewhere. I'd um, I'd just um, also be wary of um, the hash rate um, because that's a reported that's reported by the software and it's voluntary. <laughs> when the hash rate dropped, when you know, like China tripped over the power cord type thing, a while back when they did a, num- did a number of shutdowns because of some sort of routine maintenance um, or or safety inspections, um, Adam back <coughs> contacted me and said, "Yeah, actually, this stuff is really you can't rely on it because, like, it's not it's it's not." Perfectly reported, um, but what you do is you you look at how slow do the blocks get processed, um, and like so you can look at that. And um, we did get a, a slowdown, um, but um, you know, like we're still waiting for the like what is it? We're kind of less less than a week left before the the bitcoin difficulty will you know adjust for that loss of hash rate so blocks are a little bit slower than normal right now um i think we'll let's we'll have a look at what it's saying right now yeah it's like normally it's 600 seconds 6 or 10 minutes right currently it's closer to um Right now, about a thousand, you know, what is it, 16 minutes, the average block time. So the whole network has slowed down a lot. It, it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't slowed down to unseen levels. We kind of got this, yeah, I'm looking at it. We're, we had the same level of slowdown in, in mid-April when, um, you know, the the China, a lot of the Chinese um, miners shut down because of the power outage. Um, we're at that level again. So, um, yeah, the, but the network's fine, you know, it'll adjust. Um, another few more days, like within a week, that'll adjust down. Um, and by looking at the reported hash rate, which is not quite... Um, accurate, but it looks like yeah, we're we were last at these levels a year ago, like around June. So, all right. So the big question, because this comes up all the time, and people talk about it in different ways. <laughs> Willie, does mm. hash rate follow price or the opposite, or are they just completely disconnected? <laughs> oh yeah, like um, oh, I had it, I had it a while back, but I, I think the two, um, the two are kind of. They affect each other, orbit each other, and different different ways, different things. Price can lead hash rate, and, and hash rate can lead price in different um, situations. Like obviously, when the hash rate drops um, suddenly, um, we, like we saw in April, um, price did follow it um, because there was fear in the market, um, and. Um, but then obviously there's the other effect in bull markets. Um, 
you know, it's economically incentivized to um, to turn on more miners because, you know, the premiums are so high when you mine Bitcoin at the higher prices. So the two are related. Um, I wouldn't say one leads the other and vice versa. Like they both kind of have their effect and they're in orbit. But I remember reading a tweet by someone who was much closer to it. He broke it down very, very, very well. Um, but just from my my view of it, I've seen both happen. Um, the The price follows hash. Uh, the hash rate follows price on slower fundamentals of price going up. Right. Um, yeah, they're different mechanisms. Next up, I talked to Willie more about whether we are in a bear market. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. And today, we're going to kick off with Sportsbet.io. As the Euros are on, I have teamed up with Sportsbet.io to join legends Brett Lee and Danielson to make predictions during the tournament. And now we're into the group stages, a massive game tomorrow. England are playing Germany. If you don't understand the context of this, you need to go onto YouTube and go and see some of our previous games, especially the one where we smashed them 5-1. Michael Owen got a hat trick. Steve Gerrard scored. Even Emil Heskey scored. What a what a day! I'm very nervous about this game. Fingers crossed, we're going to win. Now, as part of this, if you want a chance to win a prize, you can go onto the Sportsbet.io website and compare my picks against the other two and see who is right. If you want to find out more, do head over to Sportsbet.io forward slash promotions and click on the Clubhouse Legends picks. That is S P O R T S bet.io forward slash promotions and click on Clubhouse Legends Picks. Next up, we have Exodus Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for Bitcoin. Now, regular listeners will know I'm always going on about UX. It's super important to me. So when Exodus reached out and they said, Pete, we want to sponsor the show, I was like, well, come on, let me see it. Let me have a play with the app. Let me check it out first. Do you know what? They crushed it. They absolutely smashed the experience. And that's why I've been happy to recommend Exodus to my friends and family. Now, Exodus Desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So if you want to check it out, head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. And lastly, this week, but never least, are my friends over at Casa, who I've been a customer of now for nearly a year. I caught up with Nick Newman this week. I was like, got to renew, bro. Love this. Absolutely love Casa. It is the safest way for you to store your Bitcoin. Now listen, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps, and phishing attacks. There are too many ways that your Bitcoin can be lost and stolen. But if you have Casa, you never have to worry about this stuff again because Casa has a multi-sig wallet which allows you to custody your Bitcoin but only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets which you can distribute into different locations and that is going to protect you from a range of mistakes errors and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more, you can hit me up. You can reach out to me on my email. I do reply to everyone. I have had people send me some questions about Casa. That's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I'm more than happy to do that. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. If you want to find out more, please head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. All right, well, listen, I spoke with Lynn Orden this week, and she said that the Fed may slow asset purchases and that the S&P and NASDAQ are dipping down and the dollar index is strengthening. Um, do you track these items at all? Do you look into this? Does this affect any of your decision-making? Or do you just purely focus on on-chain on and narrative? Uh, I don't even focus on narrative. Um, oh. I, I focus mainly on on-chain um, 
very little do I look into the great the greater macro. Probably, probably it'll be um, more important in the future. But um, you know, everything that everything that um, happens in the macro world, uh, unless it's sudden, unless it happens within you know a day because of some Fed announcement and like stocks tank and then it pulls down Bitcoin. In, in, in a trading correlation. Um, but, like, that stuff is very, um, you know, short-term fo- focus. Like, if, if like, what you look at on-chain is that the sort of um, buying and selling that you see long-term investors doing. So if, if there is, like, um, fear in the market because of XYZ um, impact on the macro landscape, then presumably investors will sell, right? And um, you pick that up on chain and um, typically that happens and gives you a bit of lead time before the price follows suit um, because those early sellers, you'll see that um, happening. So um, hopefully, um, you know, let's see how it works in the future. But up to now it's been, you know, I could just have my blinkers on. I just... Like some some charters say, I don't care about narrative or news cycle. I just look at what's happening on the charts, and I know whether people are selling or buying. Um, and it's a little bit like that. Have you looked at the grayscale stuff at all? Is that relevant? Because um, sixteen thousand Bitcoin, about you know, just over six hundred million dollars, is unlocking in July. Uh, that's the biggest unlocking of uh, grayscale Bitcoin today. Do you look at that? Do you consider that? What the pressure that will have? You know, will that reduce the pressure to sell? Hold on. What are you saying with that? There's a there's a window to unlock. There's um, an unlocking. I yeah. I thought the the grayscale doesn't unlock or does not um, sell unless other than for its um, management fee, right? Uh, no. There's certainly because that was how the arbitrage was played, but mm-hmm. the fact because it's not an ETF, there isn't it isn't instantly liquid. When you buy the grayscale coins, there's a certain period they're locked up for. Mm, are you sure? I, I I'd have to. This this is like uh, is grayscale has never um, released coins, and I, that's in the prospectus, isn't it? Was this the first time ever? Here we go. Yeah. I mean, I'm on (laughs) CryptoPotato.com. Let's try to get a better website. Uh, Uh Fucking hell. There are six-month windows, I think. It's where you can um, buy, you know, the insiders, the institutional guys can buy, um, like, Bitcoin and bring it into the fund. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's not the coins that unlock. It's the shares, right? Yeah. And the shares become liquid. So it's probably, that's probably um, what it refers to. I'm a little bit out of my depth there. Okay, so then it's like this, the coins stay put because it's it's Hotel California for those coins yeah. once they're in. But then the amount of shares that are issued about around it adjust. Um, yeah. So, so the, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, yeah. I mean, the way it's put is that... Um, with the second quarter of 2021 almost done and July just around the corner, Bitcoin might be heading towards a highly volatile month and Greg scale could receive the blame. This is because one of the largest unlockings from GBTC will take place in the middle of the month as accredited investors will receive access to over $600 million worth of BTC. But I think it's the shares that unlock no, and the shares wrong. can be traded. 
That's wrong. Yeah. So those coins will never be dumped down on the market. No, but no, <coughs> no. Only... What I mean is the shares. The shares become <coughs> liquid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that what it means is that the premium changes because, um, like, right now, because there's a set number of shares. If there's, you know, like right now, you could buy the the shareholding to access a claim on those those bitcoins at, at great discount. Um, up till you know just recently, over the last few days, it's closed. Um, the premium is the discount on 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 those coins are now closing, and it was very marked. I think Kathy Wood hit the hit the bo- <laughs> she spammed the buy button on that latest dip. Um, was it sixty million dollars? I can't remember what how much she can't bought. Remember. Um, it was a decent amount, and the the whole premium has um, has closed. And what I look at is the premium really, because it's. The premium was actually at a premium. It was more expensive to buy Bitcoin through Grayscale than than actually on the, in the open markets. But um, for um, the greater part of, I'll just look at it right now, um, Grayscale um, premium. The greater part of the last few months, we've seen a, a deeper and deeper discount um, and Yeah, Melton, Melton tweeted about it. So she put from mid-April to mid-June, 139,000 Bitcoin worth of shares have unlocked, so it's the shares. And there's another 140,000 Bitcoin worth of shares that unlock through the end of July. Yeah, so um, the the premiums um, have been dropping to a discount sometime in um, late March and... Yeah, so we're, we're that premiums just as like you can look at this as like as like institutional holders um, have been dumping Bitcoin um, on on grayscale, meaning they're selling their shares. So the shares were getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper than the actual outright cost of Bitcoin that they represent um, to a point where it was peak discounted at um, mid May. And that's been sideways recovering since then. And of the last um, three, four days, that's made a huge jump from negative 14% to now 4.8%. So it's like um, a 10% reduction in premium uh, discount. So um, that's showing demand come back into the market. As that discount was getting deeper and deeper and deeper, it just means people were selling and selling and selling the shareholding. But those coins could not actually be unlocked out of the out of the holdings and dumped onto the market. And so you kind of saw this effect where um, the price of Bitcoin was being um, the sell pressure was being absorbed by Grayscale in that premium, and it wasn't being dumped onto the market. But you could see institutional demand dropping. Um, but um, now it's it's done the other thing, right? Ever since we had this sell-off, um, or it looks like around when we hit forty-five thousand dollars and started bottoming around the thirty, like it turned around, went flat, and started to go the other way. So um, it looks like people are now buying the dip um, according to the premium. Um, as as for that that unlock, I don't know exactly how that plays out on the market. What what would happen? You get to sell your shares. You get to, yeah, because that's what I don't understand. The shares because you can you can sell the shares on on the market, right? But it, can you if you sell them back to Grayscale? Do they then have to sell the equivalent Bitcoin back? 
Like, do they make a? Do they hold a perfect balance between the? Sh- or does it? See, I just I don't fucking know how any of this works, but. Yeah, I'm I'm not up clear of the the details and the workings of how the grayscale stuff works. But if the if they're um getting yeah, I don't want to comment because I'm not an expert no. in that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the YouTube, I, I believe it's so the YouTubers go, you fucking morons. Talking yeah, about you got to be stuff. careful of talking about stuff that you're not really that good at. <laughs> Hold on, just... I've made a I've made I've made a career out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to Lynn about it. Anyone listening who's yeah. pissed off that me we don't understand this, don't worry, I'm going to talk to Lynn about it. I'll get the detail on it. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, so a couple other things I want to talk to you about. I kept seeing this death cross thing. Is this is this a is this a real thing or is this just like one of those things that people talk about is it real? It's it's a real thing in traditional markets. Um right. it doesn't what, really what, work. Can you explain on. what it is? Uh, it's just two. It's just oh, you might have. I don't even use it, but it's it's two moving. Is it, is it fifty and two hundred? I don't know. It's two moving averages. 50, yeah, the daily moving average. Of okay, two. so there's two moving averages, right? And one's a low, slow one. One's a fast one. When the fast one crosses below the slow one, then that sign of, you know, the, that's a death cross. They call that the death cross, and. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's get the hell out. If you're in a traditional market, you do that. If you backtrace it on Bitcoin market, um, death crosses like by the dip more often. It's like I can't remember the details. Something like four four times to one. Um, it plays out as that's the bottom. Um, and and the thing is, Bitcoin's market is very very different from a traditional market because if you think about most markets, um, they tend to be at saturation. Um, maybe with the exclusion of tech stocks, early tech stocks. Bitcoin's like an early tech stock, like a really early tech stock where um, it's at 2% penetration of its maximum saturation. So this thing's growing exponentially. So you get a death cross against a fundamental that's growing exponentially, like number of users this thing on board doubles every year, um, even in a bear market. Um, so like, these these death crosses don't tend to work because the underlying upswell is an exponential growth. Um, so uh, it doesn't really work on Bitcoin's price chart, that's for sure. All right. Well, fuck the death cross then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, another another thing I've noticed is that the meme pool's fail. Sorry, meme pool. I always say meme pool because I'm dealing memes, but the meme pool is you know, empty. The price is uh, uh, to move into you know, block one is the next block is like below five bucks at the moment, which is quite low for a bull market. And that kind of makes me think, is is this part of the uh, recovery and that a lot of the selling has been done, so those coins have moved? You know, should we not see uh, the mempool filling up with people moving, coins, you know, you know, buying more and moving back off? Like, do you track the mempool in terms of trading or is that just a... Yeah, I track it. I've got it right yeah. up right now. Right. Um, tell, tell, so tell yeah. me what you look at with the mempool because what I saw is like we're seeing we're seeing like bear market prices, and that made me think, oh, has this all dried up? Because my expectation in a bull market, you see movement of coins both ways. Mm. In a bear market, mempool just bottoms, right? Just completely, just sideways bottoms because there's mm. very little transactional. Activity um, in bull markets, this thing blips up. It gets congested. Usually on a big rally, it congests, and then on a pullback, it it, it zeroes out again. Okay, um, and if I look at the 2017 um, picture of the mempool, you get these spikes on every rally, and then it would zero out. You know, we zeroed out one, 
In 2017, we zeroed out one, two, three, four times. And on every time it zeroed out, it was um, bottom of dip, right? Everyone, no one wanted to right. mess with it. And then once it starts rallying, everyone piles in and mempool um, peaks again. So, like, I do look at mempool as, like, a really good time to enter, Um on a dip, if you're if you're positive, you're not in a bear market. You know, like that's the first thing you want to determine: Are we in a bear market? If you're in a bear market, then all of your buy the dip indicators are going to get you screwed. Um, you know, like soap. Right. Um, you know, soap. There's all these indicators that say buy the dip, but yeah. they don't. That you, it, it, don't buy the dip if you're at the start of the bear market. You'll be a dip if you do. Um, if we were, like, if we, yeah. if we're in a bear market now, that would be quite unique. Uh, That's right. It'd be, it'd be a weird ass, uh, weird ass bear market because we're not seeing the normal bear market metrics. Like people are coming in. We've got new users. At near all-time high, the user growth is near all-time high on the network. Um, we've got all the little guys coming in to buy and stack. Um, you know, people that have holdings of less than one Bitcoin are, are buying Bitcoin furiously. Um, no one's selling. The whales are sideways. The people with 100 Bitcoins are upwards, those are the dolphins and um, sharks, they, they're sideways. Um, anyone less than 100 Bitcoins, they're stacking. Um, so that's not normal. Like normally in a, in, in a, in a top, you'll see the, the whales have dumped, you know, they've started dumping ages, like maybe six months back. Um, and the dolphins, the 100 Bitcoin upward guys, they tend to start to unload their coins. Um, but they're holding strong. And then, all, and then the retail guys... You know, more and more of them coming in, and like, and normally that just stops. Like, you go into this mania phase, um, price just starts to rip upwards beyond the fundamentals. Um, it goes up sheer bullish wall, and we haven't seen that. So it's it's just got all the wrong signs to be the start of a bear market. Um, maybe where you call this a mid bull market um, kind of reset. Um, it's not like a dip. A mini bear market. Yeah, a mini bear market. It's like a. It's like the 2013 where you did get that a decent um, pullback, and it took months and months for it to reaccumulate and then run up again. Um, it looks more like that on the price domain, but structurally, it looks like it's. Um, it looks like COVID. Um, it's like. <laughs> It's like uh, Elon Musk um, is is like the COVID virus, you know. Um, <laughs> double downing, he's teaming up with China to be to create COVID. Um, well, the, the other thing though is Willie. Like one of the things I think about is if it becomes too predictable, like and everyone thinks this is going to be exactly the same as 2017. We're going to have six 30 percent dips. Each one we're going to come back. Like if everyone thinks the same, then it can't. I I, yeah. I almost think it can't play out like that. Because well, what's going to happen? <laughs> well, no, but that's the point. It's, it's like it's because people think it's going to react like that, and people think it's the same. Then, then the market is reacting differently because we can't we can't all win, right? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this lately, and I've been thinking about you know like Dan Howard's uh, super cycle. I'm saying yeah. super cycle, and I'm thinking maybe this is um, we should call this the last cycle. Um, maybe not Ooh. the super cycle, but the last cycle. 
the last cycle. That sounds like, like a film. Yeah, it's like um, it's like every um. I'm just pull up a chart and see if look how many cycles we had. We've had um, you know, in terms of halvenings, the halvenings had a fair had had a fair run. We had the first epoch that 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 ended. Um, you know, we kind of ran up. We did the. Second epoch was the 2013 bull market. Third epoch was the 2017 bull market. We're in the fourth epoch now, right? Um, and the inflation rate is very low. It's the equivalent of gold. And then mm-hmm. in the next epoch, it's less than gold. Like So um, the sell pressure from miners is infinitesimal. And a lot of people look at what the miners are doing. I don't actually do that much in a bull market because their sale pressure is nothing compared to the full wrath of Michael Saylor's buying, you know, like, or anyone's buying um, for that matter. is will just put to bed any kind of um, sale pressure. It's 1.43% is the inflation rate of Bitcoin. Um, mm. uh, the that's not much. And well, dude, um, the, listen. Michael yeah. Saylor essentially owns one in every two hundred and ten bitcoins now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's got over a hundred thousand. And like he's something the new like M- the <laughs> something okay, like the amount he's bought is something like not far off what the total amount that will be mined next year, or something ridiculous. What is it? Is it 900 a day now or is it like, eight? I can't remember. I think it's 900. So it'd be 450. Let me have a look at this. Yeah, so like he's bought over 100,000. Next year, only 164,000 new coins will be mined, right? We get another sailor next year. Oh, yeah, and we'll get more than Michael Saylor, yeah. you know. That's that's a thing. It's like I don't even think MicroStrategy is that significant in um, the sheer buying and selling because it's actually that, that our that influencing people to buy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the inflation rate. It's 1.43 and that's because, oh, that's because um, the hash rates dropped, so we're mining at a slower rate right now, right, <laughs> which yeah, is doing yeah, wonders cool. for the stock to flow. But, um, you know, this is going to drop to um, less than three-quarters of a percent of um, inflation. That sell pressure is minuscule. Like already we're in an epoch where the sell pressure coming off exchanges, um, and I don't mean this people selling on exchanges, I mean the exchanges, I mean Binance, I mean, um, you know, Coinbase, the revenues that they take, when they convert that to cash to pay um, their expenses and salaries and their shareholders, um, that sell pressure is more than the miners. So yeah. um, we're, we're in dynamics where the buying and selling um, is of, the, of the market is, is um, starting to look like it's making um, the inflation rate from the mining um, the lesser significant thing. And so I think that's going to have a, a decent impact on um, these normal cycles we see where we get this bullish impulse. I think that this... It's, it's starting to get weak and you'll see um, narratives, you'll see fundamentals of nation states doing their thing and corporate treasury, you know, all the, these mm. macro, um, macro um, kind of impacts will start to shape the price chart more. And in, in a way, this, we could see um, these normal cycles where we love to imprint on Bitcoin start to go 
a little bit drunkard and I think it will go, we'll wind in a random walk, um, what will look like a random walk upwards, um, but without the cyclical sort of um, peaks that we've we've normally seen. Um, and already I'm looking at this long-term price chart and since the 2017 peak, this bull market's all over the place. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the price chart is not smooth. It's not anything like the prior cycles. Um, so, I wonder yeah. if the whales are even like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> uh, or if they're all like just yeah. sat there on their yachts laughing at us going, ha ha, you thought yeah, it was going to be a 30%. Yeah, probably the latter. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you thought it was going to be a 30% dip. We'll just do another 20% fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think any, any large whale doesn't really care at this stage. I think they, <laughs> well, like you just see it, they just sell. Um, whenever it rallies, they sell a bit to, you know, pay pay for the next super yacht. Um, The OGs sell. Um, It's great for the network. It's really great. Mm. Um, The coins are really distributing. Um, Yeah, well, you say that, but then like Michael Saylor, like I say, he, the master, sorry, it's even more than the 100,000. I think MicroStrategy's got like 100,000, but he implied like himself and entities he controls has like some like 120,000 Bitcoin. Yeah. so that's a that's a consolidation. Whilst it's good for the to to have a better spread of coins, but that's also a consolidation. Do you worry about that? Do you think about that? Yeah, I think about it, and I think it's it's a it's a red herring. I think that um, an institutional buy like that is just another word for um, coins owned by a whole lot of people. MicroStrategy is a publicly traded company. Okay, how much? How how many shares does Michael Saylor own? A decent chunk of it, right? How much? No. Uh, like, but not the majority, but not by far the majority. And of course, a lot of their holdings are debt driven. Um, so, actually, um, it's it's bought on leverage, and the people who own that leverage, the other side of the loans, have options to take take that in shareholding in the company. Um, so. Um, and if you look at the last issuance of that debt, junk bonds, um, junk corporate bonds, um, the the people who bought those bonds were corporates that wanted an easy access um, way to to access Bitcoin. Um, and I imagine that a lot of that came out of conversations for his, from his conference earlier this year. You know, Bitcoin for institutions, um, corporates. Um, I imagine a lot of those conversations took took place and like he did that one to allow people to, you know, CEOs of other companies to just say, Lib, I'll just issue, buy my junk bond and now you've got an easy way in because you can convert that to Microsoft strategy um, stock. It's the, the Bitcoins are moved into a new holding vehicle. It's kind of like the ETF for corporates right now. And so again, that that's just coins held um, by a whole bunch of corporate other corporates um, which are held by a whole bunch of shareholders. So these are um, these are these aren't. It's not like Michael Saylor owns those coins. You know, um, he's custodian of the coins, but he's not the owner. Um, it's a lot of people like to say, like, look at the like ninety eight percent of the the coins on Bitcoin are owned by two percent of the addresses, and like, oh, well, yeah, we all know duh. that's bollocks. 
Yeah, yeah, duh. That's like um, all the coins sitting Coinbase, on Coinbase. Binance, and, yeah. Exactly. No owned by, by millions of people, right? Um, owned yeah. by 130 million people, those coins. So similarly, um, these publicly traded companies that own Bitcoin in their treasuries are somewhat like that. You just you, Now you just get down to the real whales that are individual holders um, that you can see on chain that aren't the, the you know, the public companies and... Um, they are diminishing um, over the long arc of time. Which is good for Bitcoin. It's great for Bitcoin. Great for Bitcoin. Well, listen, there's two more things I want to ask you about. Uh, first mm. one's a quick one. Uh, are the Rick Astley's back? Yeah, Rick He's Astley's give back. give you up. That's right, he's back. He's let you um, down. He's back. He's, Thanks, he's back. The National Treasure is back. He abandoned us for British. a while. The he's British like a, National Treasure. We love he's, them. These are, it's uh, like, you know, like a lot of the, like, of course, the Rick Astley is the, the holder that keeps um, buying. and He never gives you up. Never tends to sell much. Um, that's what we, we measure. We measure that. Um, and, of course, Rick was very, very... Um, Active over 2021, um, and then um, suddenly, like all the coins moved away from Rick to um, the weak hands, the the speculative traders that buy and sell, um, and now we're seeing that cross back into moving to Rick, um, and it's uh, that's that chart. If you rehash it, and make it. Um, like less smooth and look at every movement day to day of coins between the two types of holders. Um, you'll see that is the actual structure I'm looking at when we, this looks very much like COVID. We had a massive unlock by coins that used to be owned by Rick. He, he got out <laughs> and um, now they're, they're being mopped up again by Rick. Um, so he's back. He's, he's back. back. Mm-hmm. All right. The last thing I do want to talk about because you know, this breakdown in the price from 64 to 28 is a, a nice chunk over 50%. I can tell some people have got wrecked in multiple ways, you know, because there's multiple ways you can leverage. You can you can leverage on exchange with stupid 10x, 25x, 50, 125x, or you can leverage by, I don't know, going to a service like BlockFi and taking a loan out on your coins mm. so you can buy more coins, which gives you a liquidation point, Uh which I imagine some people got hit when you know the price dips below fifty percent of the high, and you can also leverage yourself in terms of just in life. You can take out loans and yada yada. There's loads of ways you can leverage yourself, and I just feel like we should talk about that just just to close out because yeah, my amount of leverage is yeah. When I did some CFD trading to test it, I literally put two grand in. <laughs> and mm. I think the leverage you get on that's like 3x or something. And I took out a loan when Bitcoin crashed to 17,500 because it just felt like some cheap coins, which are, you know, still nearly uh, 100% in profit. Um, but I don't go onto exchanges and I don't go on a BitMEX and deposit a Bitcoin and go 10x long or 100x long. Can and I feel like some people, are, uh, in some ways, are almost being taken advantage of by some of these exchanges because all the pro traders, I know like you, like Kobe, like 3x is a high leverage to be playing with. And most people I know are like one, two, more one and a half, like three is is quite high. So can we just talk a little bit more about leverage? Um, you know, what you think is 
high risk, what you think is moderate risk, the kind of ways you think about leverage? Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I know leverage, we've covered this before. Just like leverage is like, it's just cocaine, right? And it, it, it's, 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 it's cocaine and razor blades. Um, so, like, if this thing swings against you, if at high leverage, you, you can lose a ridiculous amount of money. So, um, you got to have the risk protection in place. So, you know, if you're trading 100x, well, go for it. But you got to know that you you got to have um, tight risk protection. And, and normally you might, you know, you can do it in many ways. You might just say, I'm going to risk, you know, 1% of my, portfolio, my trade portfolio or whatever. But every, every um, you know, every kind of trade you do, you need to have, um, you know, your risk strategy put in place. So, like, I consider 1x high leverage from the trading I do. Um, if it swings against me, you know, suddenly I find myself in a 2x leverage um, position because I, I'm trading like very large, long, I mean, long time frame swings. Um, so I can't really use stops because stops you can get completely kicked out of the trade. Um, now, stops are something that most traders use to protect themselves from downside. If it swings the wrong way, they, you know, you might, you know, stop yourself out at a 10% loss or a 3% loss, whatever your, whatever you calculate um, that is. And so for, for me, I, I find um, these kind of longer term trades, um, 1x is, is plenty. Um, it's, it's absolutely plenty. Uh, 3x is like ridiculously high um, for anything that's a swing trade for me. Because um, if it goes against you, suddenly you're in a situation where you might be 10x, and then mm. and then you're liquidated. Um, and um, so, like, I often look at things like, you know, with one x leverage, that means that the price can go to half before you're liquidated. And we've just seen that Bitcoin um, went from fifty five thousand to twenty, uh, was it twenty eight? Was the bottom? Um, so it actually did. Pretty much have, um, and you would have been very close to being liquidated on that one X leverage yeah. trade, and that happened very very quickly. So, uh, but like one X leverage now doesn't feel too bad because I I'd be very surprised to see us in the next few months hit seventeen. Yeah, I mean, this is the other thing is like yeah, fundamentally maybe not, but um, do you remember how Ethereum went to ten cents on Coinbase? Well, wick down. Yeah, wick down from like what is it, nine hundred dollars to ten cents? That was yeah, a liquidity they, failure. Didn't, they, didn't didn't they pay everyone back for that though? They I know, did. I know they don't they, have to. Yeah, they did. Um, they did, but they didn't have to. And remember, um, earlier this year, um, they their 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 buy button broke. The sell button worked, yeah, but, but the buy break button broke, and the whole thing <laughs> crashed. Right, and then that that circled in on itself, and um, all of the all of the um, derivative exchanges went into sell off because they were getting their price feed in part from Coinbase, and the whole oh. thing just fed on itself. And so, fundamentally, we're fine. You know, Rick Astley yeah. was buying, but the whole liquidity um, fell out of fell the bottom fell out of it, and so. Um, it's always the unexpected that kills you in markets. And like traders 
tend to be genius. You have two types of, these three types of traders, really. The first type of trader is a genius because they're making money in a bull cycle and they don't know that they're actually making money only because it's in a bull cycle. The second mm. kind of trader is actually much more careful and probably a lot more experience. Um, but then that, that trader gets wrecked um, in, a, in a black swan event, like Coinbase buy button breaking. You know, which is not really a black swan because that happens quite regularly. But uh, when you have these liquidity failures, you get wrecked, right? And so um, the third one is one that has that experience and has risk um, protection in place. And even if you throw some crazy event at, at that trader, um, they'll be okay at the end of the day. Whether they position themselves so that, you know, if it goes against them, it's not the end of the the road for them. So, um, yeah, it's... I'm pretty sure on that, uh, that Ethereum 10 cents wick, some dude ended up getting like a million dollars of Ethereum for like, fuck all. They'd already yeah, no, someone, buy order. Someone killed it. Now, I've always yeah. seen this in, in on the order books, particularly I remember in the early days of Poloniex. There's always some guy that was buying like a ridiculous amount of tokens for a minuscule amount, and you're going, yeah, what's the point of that? But of course, that's the um, the black swan strategy. Mm. No one's pricing in the risk of a liquidity crunch, but the payoff is really high, and the mm. that person's not even taking any risk. You just, you know, maybe you're losing a little bit of use of money, but you've got all those bids in there yeah, um, in case you get it. Yeah, it's well played. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Willie. Appreciate the update. I'm confident, man. I feel like we're in recovery. It's going to be interesting uh, rest of the year. It'll be an interesting month. I wonder what we'll be talking about next month. We've had some crazy last few months. We've had so much to talk about. Oh, no. So, it's uh, just, uh, it's it's an unpredictable... Uh, we've not been in these waters before. It's uncharted. Yes, man. Well, listen, I'm going to let you get back to your family. And okay. uh, at some point, I'm going to see you again in person, hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> all yeah. All this COVID shit's over. We'll get to hang out wait. and... Celebrate. Uh, we call it wetting the baby's head here. I don't know if you have a similar thing, but it's uh, you go out and get drunk, celebrate the birth of a child. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. We could maybe we have tequilas on the edge of a volcano or something, you know. Dude, one drink I cannot have is tequila. I'll have oh, anything really? else. This, yeah, it's that one drink. <laughs> you know, when you're like 13 and you just one drink you get wasted on and the world ends and you vomit all night. That was the one I did, and I just. The smell, uh, I can't go near it, dude. So okay, I'll have well, Sambuca. You, you can have tequila on a volcano. Okay, that's a deal. <laughs> All right, brother, listen, take care. All the best to your family and peace out, man. Okay, catch you next time. Okay, what do you think of that one? Willie pretty much killed it as ever. I always find it super interesting getting into the data and see what's going on, who is buying and holding and who is panic selling during these times. And also, it was good to talk to Willie about the data. Like I said in the intro... This is just a tool. It isn't a crystal ball. It isn't guaranteed. This isn't certainty. This is just data that you can use to help you make decisions. You know, the on-chain data can't tell you, well, in three months, Elon Musk is going to tweet some bullshit about Bitcoin. It cannot do that. All it can tell you is who is buying, who is selling, who is moving coins onto exchanges, who isn't, yada, yada. So if you want a crystal ball, I'm very sorry, this isn't it. Now, it's a pretty weird time in the market right now. We've had a load of FUD come out and people are getting pretty spooked, but Bitcoin should be a long-term hold for you. And times like this is the price you pay for the massive upside. Look, there's so much good stuff happening. We've got what's happening in El Salvador and other countries looking in. We've got companies moving to Bitcoin. It is a good time. 
do you know what? I'm bullish. I'm holding. Anyway, listen, I hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to reach out to me or jump into my Telegram group, we have over 1,500 people there now. And you can always reach out to me on my email address. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I always say don't send me any weird shit, but you know what? Whatever. Send me some weird shit this week. Send me some really weird emails. Let's get weird. I'm on for it. I'm here for this. All right. Outside of that, if you love the show, if you've been a long-term listener, you want to support the show and you've never left a review, like if you've listened to more than 10, 20, 50, even 100 episodes, you've never left me a review, come on, stop being a dick. Get over on Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. Hopefully you think the show deserves five stars. I ask for this because the reviews help within the rankings. And you know what? I think it's an unfair advantage against Pomp. You know, he seems to be struggling right now. So maybe go and leave him a review as well. Love that guy. Anyway, it's Monday. I'm back in England. It's pissing down with rain and my back is screwed. I'm going to go and chill out. But it's great to get the show out for you. Love you all. And I will see you all soon. <laughs>